we would say from a Christian worldview is we're all sacrificing to things all the time. All the time. So is it going to be um, idols or is it going to be God? Yeah. Is it going to be my goals short-sighted? Is it going to be my goals long-sighted? Is it going to be a spiritual sacrifice that's good for me? Or is it going to be a sacrifice that cuts me off at the knees or robs me of sleep or robs me of relationship? Yeah, the prevailing, I think the pre- predominant idol is mammon in this culture. Mm-hmm. It's it's material wealth and money and yeah, upward mobility. Uh, yeah, upward mobility. That's exactly and people sacrifice greatly for that. The Shepherd and the Shrink podcast can only happen with your support. Please go to patreon.com, search for the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast and find all kinds of cool stuff that we have in store for you. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Good day, <laughs> sunshine. Good day. Hey, Marty, how are you today? Hey, Matt, good afternoon. How's it going? It's going good. It's amazing. Uh, it's such a new season in so many ways. I saw your posts about getting through a round of treatments and and uh, your life and Kathy and just great stuff to see on that. Yeah, that was a, that was a happy day. Wow. That's amazing. You know, long time. one of the earliest things I learned about in pastoral care, which I was terrible at when I entered seminary, was the idea of seasons mm-hmm. and helping people through tough times. If we can help them understand that most of our lives are defined by seasons. Yeah. And that, that gives some hope, doesn't it? That, that this too shall pass. If yeah. Can remember that. Yeah. Especially if you live in the Midwest. And it's hard sometimes because we've been in a season. I mean, it seems like we stumble from one disaster to the next, you know, right. with the COVID thing and then wars and all of all oh, those crazy sorts of things. So this has been a long, tough season for a lot of us. Uh, but there's another season that we're just about to enter entering. Yeah. Today's a special day in the Christian calendar year. You know, they divide up the year based kind of on the seasons of the life of Christ. And this is an ancient practice from you know, well over a thousand years ago that the formation of it was being put in place. It begins with Advent, which is the coming of Christ or the promised coming of the Messiah, as well as the, the promise of the second coming of Christ. And that leads into Christmas tide, which is about the nativity and the birth of Christ. And then that's followed by Epiphany, which is where people had glimpses of God in their lives on earth and where people actually recognize the deity of Jesus. And Epiphany is followed by today, Ash Wednesday, leading into the season of Lent, which is 40 weekdays that are for fasting and repentance and remembrance of the suffering of Christ. That leads into Holy Week and Easter, which is followed by Eastertide, because you got to celebrate that for a while, leading into the day of Pentecost, where we remember how the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, 
entered the hearts of all the believers, not just the leaders or the people that God raised up. And Pentecost is almost half the year that takes us to Christ the King Sunday, which takes us back into Advent. Right. So, so we truly live in a, a different kingdom when, when we're Christians, right? And these things help us to, they remind us of that. The timeline. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much. And it's kind of a, an ancient practice that was dropped by a lot of the Christians and a lot of the churches who didn't want to be too high church or something like that. But it's amazing how much of it is being rediscovered. I remember introducing years ago, a friend of mine that I had met in the community who was a part-time pastor at a Baptist church, and they had never done a Monday, Thursday service. And he invited me in to lead their church through a Monday, Thursday service. That was kind of cool. Yeah. So what, what does, what does Lent mean and what are we supposed to do? How is it different? Well, Lent, there's a, an old Anglo-Saxon word that meant that ties it in with lengthen and how the days are lengthening in the year, just in nature, you know, and what Lent has to do with is the 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness, the 40 days of fasting, the 40 days of searching, of suffering, of temptations. It's a, it's a season of repentance. Oftentimes, especially in the early church, the people who were looking to come into the Christian community, and including in the days when it was illegal in the Roman Empire, they would have 40 days of testing that ended with Easter and their reception and their baptism into this new life in Christ. Testing? What does that mean? You said testing? Well, like fasting, Mm. spiritual disciplines, where they would really be seeking to walk in the new way of Christ, which isn't just trying harder which I think is, is something I would want to point out to people, that if you are where you are, just trying harder only gets you more of what you already know. You mean doing the same thing, just, just doubling down on the things that you're already doing? Is that what you mean? Right, right. It yeah. kind of goes with the old mantra that says practice makes perfect. That's not exactly true when it comes at least to performing. Perfect practice makes perfect. Yeah, I, I think if you practice something wrong, you're going to get good at doing it wrong. You practice a bad habit, you're going to get good at that bad habit. Yeah, and people who want to try, they want to try this out. I would say, along with Dallas Willard, who has a really good book called The Spirit of the Disciplines, one of his mottos in the book is, don't try, train. Mm-hmm. Trying harder just gets you more of what you already have now. The key to change is taking your will in a spiritual formation training program. Mm. So it's different between trying and training. And there's a lot of people that build their careers on training other people. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been looking forward to Lent because it's the world has gotten so complicated and, and um, I want, we have to think about attention. Like when you say the will that involves attention, where, where am I, focusing my attention. And so much of this world is demanding our attention, especially if you're online, it's never been easier to get distracted, right? Television has nothing on your phone or your laptop. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You think about it. The news used to be one talking head for an hour, maybe right. For an hour. Yeah. With a couple of choices. Right. And you had three choices and it's turned into how many pieces of news are on one screen. When Mm -hmm. you watch the news now, there's 
the ticker tape scrolling down and the numbers and the, the subcategories of headlines and what's coming up next all at once. And what it's doing is it's trying to tell you what kind of world you live in, right? Do you live in a dangerous world? Do you live in a world of, of enemies and opponents? And um, what, what we can do with, with during Lent, why I'm looking forward to it, is I can take my attention and, um, and have reminders to look above instead of the noise of the world and reminders that there's something way bigger and more important than the everyday dramas. And Right, right. And, and this idea of Lent or whenever you want to mark time doesn't have to be Lent, but there's something powerful about Lent and there's a tradition of giving things up. There's a tradition of taking something on. Now, I haven't always taken that seriously. It's more of a Roman Catholic or perhaps uh, Eastern Orthodox tradition. And I come out of a Protestant background, but I used to joke, well, I'm giving up my heroin habit this Lent. Yeah, you know? uh, <laughs> that, that'll be easy. <laughs> right. I'm giving up my chewing tobacco, yeah. uh, you know, stuff I don't do. So I don't have to mm-hmm. stress about giving it up, but that's more tongue in cheek. I don't mean anything yeah. disrespectful, but mm-hmm. the idea of Lent of giving something up in order to train has really gotten hold of me this year. And I'm really looking forward to um, this new season. You know, we're, we're always on the verge of a new season. Yeah. So what, what inspired you um, for the shift? I think my life had gotten so complicated. Mm-hmm. My mind, it was racing at night. I got so addicted to this one game called arena that I would close my eyes and see the the playing board. And I thought, okay, this is insane. Mm-hmm. I, I have to close my eyes and see something else. Yeah. And no matter what it is that distracts me, it's taking me from something more important, right? Doesn't mean we don't take breaks. You got to, you can enjoy life. But I think in this culture, there's way too much of that um, entertainment and, um, worries about the world, things I can't do anything about, but I can't do that simultaneously and, and be feel close to God because my attention is someplace else at that point. It, I think our attention, my attention is all over the map, you know, and I remember hearing in psychology 101, your attention is like an antenna and it can, there's only one strand of this antenna and it can only point to one thing at a yes. time. And so yeah. my antenna is just going. Yeah, yeah. We, we we can't divide attention. People talk about divided attention. We can't do that. We we can only shift it from one place to the next. And people are paying billions of dollars to capture my attention, which means they've gotten very good at it. Yeah. For all of us, they spend yeah, a lot of time and have some very smart people figuring out how to distract us away from one thing and onto what they want us to to focus on. You know, I was in a men's group and. There's a, a sage in the men's group whose name is Carl, and he said this. He asked us, what preoccupies you? What are you preoccupied with? And it really made me think, wow, I am so preoccupied with stuff that is meaningless. And I want to put that away. And Lent is really like God's gift to me in order to do that. Yeah. What, what really has helped me is when I started fasting regularly which is, is a church tradition. Now it's easy to think about, Oh my gosh, that's going to be so hard. It's only going to, um, it's going to hurt me for a long time. And, you know, Make I'm me weak. martyred, but actually I, I'm going to um, review some health benefits because one thing I learned early on in Christianity is even without the deity, 
if we were to think like a Christian and live like a Christian, doesn't need a metaphysic to it anyway, we would become healthier. Say more. Well, so let's take, for instance, fasting. Well, I mean, I could say more about other things. Like, for instance, you know, behaving morally isn't just so we can feel, it isn't to feel proud or good about ourselves or get some points. What happens is our life goes better. When we tell the truth to people, when we're kind and generous, um, when we're not self-centered, um, when we're not, when we're humble instead of arrogant, your life goes better. You get better opportunities just as a byproduct, right? Not as the aim. And fasting is the same thing. And, and scientists, now there's a resurgence in interest in fasting outside of the church because there is enough strong evidence that it has some great health effects. And, and one thing I say about fasting too, people panic if you take their food away because we've been trained to want these um, delicious foods where it's going to be a, just a pleasurable experience, right? So we, we look forward to that. We don't want that taken from us or the idea that something bad is going to happen to my body if I don't eat at least three meals a day. Or for some people, it's I've got to eat six small meals a day. Nothing bad happens. And we know that now. I used to believe that. I think, oh, you're going to lose muscle, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Die, get diseased or something. So a, a few things. I've, I have eight little points that we can go through quickly. And, and there's all a basis of the for every single point in the scientific literature. So people can look this up and verify it. Uh, it promotes blood sugar control by reducing insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is a big problem right now. Look at all the type two diabetes that we have right now. You know, th th that's because of, of the diets, the, the processed food uh, Two um, fights inflammation. Diseases are inflammatory conditions, right? Heart disease, cancer. And fasting helps prevent. Reduce the inflammation. And, and I'll say this too, when you start fasting and you, you, you start to look forward to it, like I'm looking forward to Lent because it's going to be some really intense fasting for me mm -hmm. because you, you learn that there is a really good effect that comes from it right? You start feeling really good. Mind gets clear. You know, you get better moods. You actually get more energy, um, not less energy, because that's what we think. We think food is like gasoline. Yeah. Well, your body adapts to that because we haven't always had supermarkets and refrigerators. So people used to go uh, eat, eat less and less frequently too. And, and they were actually healthier. Enhances heart health by improving blood sugar, triglycerides and cholesterol levels. High cholesterol a problem? Yeah. Look at all the statins mm -hmm. that are being you know, if we could solve that problem without giving the, the statins and, and the medication, it's not only save money, but um, you wouldn't have risk of negative side effects. Right. Boost brain function and prevents neurodegenerative diseases. So that's the clear thinking that people have, you know, like um, colors pop more, you know, for me, you actually see some, and that makes sense evolutionarily too, right? Because if you need to find food when you're hungry, you're going to want that sense heightened. So my senses feel uh, heightened and I feel uh, a lot less anxious and more calm when I fast. AIDS and weight loss, obviously, by limiting the calories, but boosting metabolism, because that's what happens. Your metabolism actually ramps up. So you get energy to go, you know, forage or hunt. It increases growth hormone secretion, right? That, that's interesting because I was always worried about losing muscle and strength. Actually, my strength doesn't go down at all. I, matter of fact, I have better workouts fasted, so I don't eat before I work out. Wow. Um, may even delay aging and extend longevity, right? Because what happens, you know, there's a scientific name for this, but what happens is we recycle. We not only burn fat, but we recycle old broken proteins when we fast. And so people report, you know, better looking skin. Um, there's even some research that shows that it works as well as medications for 
um, limiting the growth of cancer tumor cells. Wow. So, so let's look at fasting with a different um, frame of reference here. It's, it's not going to hurt you. As a matter of fact, there's a wondrous health effects. It's not going to make you feel terrible. The adjustment period might be, so you don't want to go, um, you know, just go water for three days would be tough for someone who doesn't know whose sure. body isn't adjusted. Well, sure. You're making major changes. And the only people that like to be changed are babies with dirty diapers. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, the way that you were talking about the, the eight benefits of health in fasting itself ties in with this idea of spiritual disciplines. It is a spiritual discipline. And it's almost like, what if we replace the word fasting with the word feasting? Well, you feast after the fast. Well, and I'm not talking about eating food. I'm oh. talking about when we abstain in a significant way from food or from drink or, you know, there's other things like I'm doing kind of a, a media fast for 40 mm -hmm. days. Fasting is feasting. It's like I'm replacing all that with something. And for me, it's replacing this media binge stuff that, first of all, robs me of sleep mm -hmm. because I can't turn it off at night when my mind is just racing. So it's like I'm, I'm replacing that with fasting, but instead of feasting on all this garbage, I am feasting on good and simple clean things that God wants in my life that I don't, that I want in my life. It's I get like it. feasting on God, feasting on the Lord, yes. feasting on his will. Yes. Yeah. Cause that, that's the idea of, of, of this in Lent is we replace some of these pleasurable things and really simplify a diet, taking less food. So we can focus more on prayer, scripture, reading, almsgiving. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just a few of, a much bigger list of spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Do you have a list of those, Matt? Yeah. I've really um, just discovered the spirit of the disciplines by Dallas Willard. And he talks about the idea of when it comes to spiritual disciplines, he talks about two basic categories of them. He talks about abstinence and he talks about engagements spiritual disciplines of abstinence, where we limit ourselves, we abstain to some degree and for some time from the satisfaction of what we generally regard as normal, or the idea of engagement, which for some of us is exactly what God's answer would be to where we need to grow or what we need to do. And disciplines of abstinence would be where fasting falls in. Some other ones would be solitude. It's choosing to step free from human relationships for a length of time in isolation, in anonymity, to make room for occupying that space in our lives by God rather than filling it with other people all the time. It's to do nothing and to not try to make anything happen. Solitude is the primary spiritual discipline, which enables us to learn the other disciplines like Sabbath, fasting, being unhurried, study, and prayer. Solitude facilitates ministry because it enables clarity and resolution of purpose as we gain in our strength to avoid distractions. Solitude helps us do that. Another one is silence. I guess I should give you the list. Solitude, silence, fasting, frugality, chastity secrecy and sacrifice mm -hmm. would be the short list that Willard outlines. Silence completes the solitude. It's not absence. It's not, a, it's not being absent from something. Silence is being 
present, the positive thing. And, and it's like, you, you can't just go to nothing, but rather than filling our ears, filling our minds, filling our mouths with words and words and words and words, it, again, it's like feasting. I'm fasting when I go for solitude, but I'm feasting on the quiet, the experience of a place where maybe only natural sounds are heard, you know, wind and trees and birds and heart beating and breathing. That's silence. Fasting is what we're talking about a lot. Let me hit a couple of the others. Frugality. Ooh, let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Frugality is abstaining from using money for our stuff. It's, it's refraining from using all the stuff that's at our disposal, you know, with in our pockets, we can order anything online. It's refusing to gratify our desires for status or glamour or luxury. Yes. That's frugality. You know, um, all of the, that entire list that we're going down right now, it, it, it sets the condition for peace. One thing I notice about people, and I've seen it plenty in myself, is we mistake peace, which is what people really want, that sense of well-being. There aren't threats. I'm safe. I can enjoy. I can have some gratitude just in what I have, not what I focused on what I want. People mistake that peace for excitement, right? Stimuli, stimulation, right? And so then they wonder why they're not satisfied because what would satisfy them is peace. Right. Not the next experience. Yeah. Or the next purchase or, you know, um, what am I going to watch next on mm -hmm. Netflix? Um, yeah. I think peace has also something to do with looking forward. I'm like, I'm looking forward to something. I'm hopeful for some yeah, reason. Hope. I have peace in this waiting. I have peace in knowing I'm part of this process right now. Yeah. It's wanting what I think that you're right. It's, it's wanting what we have. Okay. And, and, and truly value and enjoying it, uh, but knowing that it's going to be okay. The next thing too, mm -hmm. I can settle down. I can settle my physiology down. My, I can settle my thoughts down because the next thing's going to happen is going to be um, maybe equally as good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, peace has to do with letting go of the discontent. It's me being okay with who I am with God, with me, with his sufficiency gives me peace, even in a tough situation where I have to confront or where I have to um, deal with a problem or a challenge that's coming along. And frugality helps us do that. It's it, These are all parts of the disciplines of abstinence. And frugality is not using money, not using all my resources at my disposal and refusing to gratify my need for status or glamour or luxury. Another one is chastity, which we don't talk about much. It's turning away from being obsessed by or engaging in the whole sexual dimension of our relationship with others. And it can be a healthy thing for a time. The next one's interesting. You don't really hear much about it. Secrecy. Say, so, uh, yeah, I don't hear about that much. Yeah, secrecy is part of the spiritual disciplines and secrecy is part of abstaining from wanting my good deeds and qualities to be known. Yeah, so um, that ties right into almsgiving, as does um, frugality, because if I have more left over, I can give more because I'm being frugal. And also the attitude that we give, look, it's 
you've given a gift when you've wanting to um, enhance someone else. That's the, that's the payoff. That's supposed to be the payoff. If we want recognition for, for that, it's just going to feed pride. I don't even think that's really a gift. It's a quid pro quo. I give this in order to get something. Right. Right. It's like I'm fasting from something in order to feast on something better. Yeah. But pride is uh, not pride. I mean, <laughs> we don't want yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. It's poison. Secrecy. I'm giving up my renown. I'm giving up being well known that I'm talented in this or good at that or giving of myself over there. Yeah. I think you're giving up pride, which is at the heart of most of the sins I, I've noticed of myself. And it's very, very subtle for me. Um, you know what I mean? Because the big pride thing and arrogance that went away, but now it's harder to see it. It's when I put myself at the center. Um, it's, it's, it's self-love in a way that's not good right uh self-aggrandizement or something like that you know what i mean recognition need for that recognition yeah and it, it can even be taking credit for what god's doing in me mm-hmm. yeah yeah status yeah that's that spiritual pride. pride that spiritual pride is really something else let's see how holy i am now when we fast we're supposed to not talk about it not supposed to look like it you know that's as a yeah. matter of fact if i go to someone's house and they put ham on my plate during this fast what do you think i'm supposed to do eat it eat it eat it don't say anything don't eat too much don't overeat be moderate but just you just eat it okay is that why you keep stopping people's houses at dinner time no i don't really i'm not a big ham fan (laughs) (laughs) but that's part of the secrecy the idea of giving up attention on me yes you know the bible jesus even says don't let the right hand know what the left hand is giving. You know, you don't have to tell everybody every time you do something. And Facebook is, oh, I know, it's exorbitantly awful. guilty of this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just gave a sandwich to a homeless person when I was at the exit to the highway. And people must know because they try to disguise it, the humble brag. Do you know what I mean? Oh, just want to say congratulations to blah, blah, blah for, you know, when really what you want is you want recognition as a, a parent or you want the, 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 you know, and there's nothing wrong with celebrating. So I'm like, oh, I posted about Kathy's end of her cancer treatment, uh, but that's because I felt that people would want to know that and they would be happy. And really for her to get some recognition, some love from people, I accomplished nothing there. You walked with it through it. And so many people love you guys. There's yeah. there's nothing wrong with sharing some good news. Right. But when it's about what I've done, or, yeah. and we are so guilty of that. Yeah. Uh, just want to thank my employer for the Employee of the Year Award. What a great company. <laughs> That's a humble brag. <laughs> right. I couldn't believe this happened to me, but let me yeah. tell you all about it. <laughs> I love that spiritual discipline of secrecy. Yeah, I do too. That's very good. It's because it brings humility. Yeah. Isn't that each of these have such, such good payoffs for the spiritual life? Yeah. What am I saying? What am I feasting on when I'm doing things in secret? You know, Jesus said, when you give, do it in secret. When you pray, don't go on the street corner like the Pharisees do. Go into your closet. Yeah, when you fast, you know, what does it say? Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't you go around looking miserable and yeah, exactly. grabbing your stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Or your reward will be here on earth rather than in heaven, rather than a spiritual transformation. Yeah. The last one on, on this particular list is sacrifice. <clears throat> and sacrificing is a little bit what we're talking about in Lent. You know, uh, we were talking 
with other people. It's to abstain from the possession or enjoyment of what's necessary for our living by letting go of our security of meeting our needs, what's in our hands. And it's, it's saying, no, I'm going to trust in God. It's giving up something I love for something I love more. Yeah. Giving up something that um, I like for something better, something I love for something better. Yeah, that's a great definition of of sacrifice. Now that for some people that could minimize the the power of what they're doing or the difficulty of sacrifice. In what way? Well, the idea of saying, "Oh yeah, I'm sacrificing for this. I'm just giving up something I love for something I love more." It would be easy to minimize how difficult that is. I think that if if God is going to be the preeminent thing. It's hard to make that argument, I think. Uh-huh. I think that that's a misunderstanding. I know I know. I said that once from the pulpit, and a woman in a church said, I agree with it, but sometimes from a pastoral shepherding standpoint, it's important to name how hard it is for people to give up something they love. I know that person's in every crowd. Um, I, I once said that, you know, really, I'm not entitled to anything. I'm just grateful that's not right. You're entitled to that. And I'm like, okay, then you don't, you misunderstand me. Right. You know? Right. Let's understand that you're always sacrificing. Everybody's always sacrificing. Okay. Now what does, does that person want? Does that person want acknowledgement? Um, does that person want pity? Cause that's not even in the spirit of a good sacrifice. There are good sacrifices and bad sacrifices. Oh, I can tell you some bad ones. Me addicted to that game arena, MTG. I was sacrificing my sleep. I have been sacrificing my sleep. I think it's the closest I've come to being a complete addict in my Mm. life because I I was closing my eyes and still seeing the the game board yeah I I was in the middle of the night waking up and still seeing it you know and looking for the next fix the next 10 minute game I could get in yeah the um alcoholic who sacrifices time from family sacrifices health sacrifices his money you know that's a bad sacrifice but what we're doing, we're sacrificing for the, the, the spiritual fruits, you know, and, and for closeness with God, you know. Mm-hmm. Is there any research in psychology about the psychology of sacrificing? That's not usually a term that we um, explore. Someone may have done some research on that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, psych- psychology is so clinical. It's philosophic sometimes, but um, I'm not sure. There's probably when someone to... comes in to see you early on or partway through a time of, of treatment or seeing you, does that idea that they need to give something up? You know what? I'd say the closest thing in psychology to that would probably be the research in delayed gratification. Mm. Because delayed gratification is the idea is that, you know, like that marshmallow study that people cite a lot, you know, that um, if you wait, you can have two marshmallows and some people can do and some people can't. That's a, a longitudinal study. And the kids that were able to delay that gratification, um, they fared way better in, in life. Okay. But see, we won't see sacrifice because that is a religious term. I think we don't see it so much, but, but see psychology still goes as close as they can to that line. Most psychology, there's some others, there's Christian psychology and all that. Um, they go as close that line as they can because they know there's something good there, but they don't cross over. Usually. Right, right, because you don't want to get boxed in or something. Or you just uh, you're, you're it's a godless. Um, it's the sciences. Um, uh, there are scientists that are devout, but um, a lot of them have to be quiet in the academy. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, we're near the University of Michigan and we have a lot of scientists and who work in related fields with University of Michigan who have such deep faith and understanding yes. and, and they live with both the science and the faith components. You know, the, the thing that we would say from a Christian worldview is we're all sacrificing to things all the time. All the time. So is it going to be um, idols or is it going to be God? Yeah. Is it going to be my goals short-sighted? Is it going to be my goals long-sighted? Is it going to be a spiritual sacrifice that's good for me? Or is it going to be a sacrifice that cuts me off at the knees or robs me of sleep or robs me of relationship? Yeah, the the the, the prevailing, I think the pre- predominant idol is mammon in this culture. Mm-hmm. It's it's material wealth and money and yeah, upward mobility. Uh, yeah, upward mobility. That's exactly and people sacrifice greatly for that. Isn't that crazy? But we're all but I think people would have a less hard time with the idea of sacrificing if they realized they're already fully doing it. That's what I think. That's that's when when I got that concept explained to me and I started thinking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm already doing this. Right. Let's not let's not kid myself. Let's just here. change our subject. Right. So what's the highest that. thing? Where's my attention going? That's what these disciplines are. Like, you know, take your attention off the things that you're sacrificing for right now and, and move it to the thing that will a- absolutely satisfy you. The mm-hmm. other things don't. There's, they're short-lived. All those pleasures, like we're a culture of hedonism. That's why people fear fasting, right? Um, they don't understand it either. So, you know, I want to be charitable about that, but they fear it because that pleasure is so important to them. They can't imagine that there would be much of anything of value left if we were to take that away. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember that. I remember when I was young, I tried to do that fast. I didn't understand it. So I was no good at it, but you know, I suffered for, I don't know, probably a day. And then I went and got a giant pizza. It did nothing for me <laughs> from Thompson's Chicago style. Yeah. Uh, no, one of those really good Thompson. Pizza. Oh, nice. That's awesome. You know, here's what's funny, and I want to remind, I want to remind us about this: is we practice these spiritual disciplines not to get something. Why do we do this? It's to reflect who we are now. Yeah, it's now how to be. We, the, it's not for transformation. We've already been transformed. Those of us who have said yes, I understand this. I'm taking what I know of myself. I'm giving it to what I know of God. And as Christ followers, we would say revealed in Jesus. And I am, I'm, I'm saying, okay, Lord, I'm walking with you. I'm following you. And that's where my transformation happens. And these spiritual disciplines aren't to get me there. They're to say, okay, now what, how do I live? Yeah. But don't you think it's to deepen it though? Because they they certainly changed me. I mean, that's why we pray. I mean, um, I I changed through prayer. My prayers deepen. And if if you have a prayer rule, uh, you'll, you'll notice that after a while, if you, Mm -hmm. you know, where you follow that rule, but, but, but I agree with you. It's, it's a byproduct. It's not, it's to live into it more. Yeah. To deepen what you already have for, for sure. But, but I agree with you. It's not, don't, don't do it because you like, don't fast because you want to lose weight right? That'll be a byproduct of it. We follow God because we love God and worship God. And then um, the good things are a byproduct. Don't, don't follow God because you think you're going to get a, a, a bunch of presents and rewards. They, they come, but that's not the focus because it's not true worship then. Yeah. These idea of disciplines help us do what we can't do. They help us 
claim who we already are. It's like somebody who's really good looking, but they spend their time going around saying, oh, I'm so ugly. I'm so ugly. It's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or somebody that's really talented and good at something saying, oh, I'm so bad. Oh, is it okay with you? Is it okay with you? No, these spiritual disciplines, they, they reflect the fact that you have been transformed already by Christ. It's nothing you could do. We're just living it out now in these ways that we got from Jesus, these ways that we got from scripture. It's a form of worship. It's a form of worship. It's, a, it's how we live. It's my lifestyle now. It's my steps. It's my seasons. And that's what I love about the whole idea of Lent, you know, is to take something on, to give something up, to a new day can be the start of, of a new season for you. It's not just something that you have to wait for. Oh, I missed it this year. I got to wait till next year. Spoiler alert. You're going to fail a bunch. But um, what I'm learning to do is let my failures humble me. So I try to get the pride away because part of my pride was to punish, be tough on myself until I started realizing who am I to think that, you know, what I think I was going to just, I'm, I'm so good, it's going to be a, a piece of cake. So now when I fail, I try to be more gentle and say, you know, I'm surprised I don't fail more often, really, you know, given the complexity of the world and, and my limitations as a human being. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where I had to learn that first was in performing mostly musically Uh with people. What if in the middle of a concert and I, I hit a sour note, I stop everything and I give up. Right. Right. No, what I need to do is move on because I can't get the note back. I can't get the, the guffaw back. But what I can do is, is move on. Why would you stop the concert for one wrong note? Yeah, but I th- don't, don't you think there's some pride for the people who do that? Because everybody hits clams. Why would you be any exception? You mm-hmm. know, that's part of, of being human. Yeah, yeah. It, and it cracks me up, which I think is a really healthy thing. What I liked when I was playing um, on stage or whatever, if you make a mistake, sometimes if you don't bail, it'll sound like, oh, I meant to do that. You know, you'll slide the note up or something, or you'll do it three times. You know what I mean? Oh, it's just a dissonant note. I'll do it, you know, two more times. Right, right. (laughs) You just made the piece more interesting. The song, whatever it was. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is is we are so far only talking about half of the spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. And I, we won't dive into every single one, but most of the time when we think of, oh, what does it mean to follow Christ fully? You know, what does it mean to be fully alive in him? And we might name a few of those, but we'll also name things like study, you know, engaging our minds, especially when it comes to scripture, the Bible, the word of God, to take that order into ourselves to enable us to be in sync with the reality of a way that's good to us and to others. You know, that's study. Yeah, you know, that's so good because it, it goes right into, look, what we're training our attention to look upwards above. So, and what you said, you do, if you're going to get rid of something, your attention is going to go somewhere. So rather than doom scrolling on, you know, social media, you'll take that attention and put it into scripture or some other spiritual writings, you know, um, the writings of the church fathers or uh, Dallas Willard. I, I, I binged Dallas Willard for a long time, not, not too long ago, and got a lot out of it. But how can I do that if my attention is down here? He's talking about higher things in his writings, right? Totally true. You know, the idea of opportunity cost, I was talking with, there's a young woman that's on our staff here and she does our social media stuff. And we're going to be doing a a social media Sabbath during Lent and encouraging everybody in the church from 8 p.m. on Friday to 8 p.m. Saturday, basically sundown to sundown fast 
from social media. Mm-hmm. And feast on. Oh, man, there's so many things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the disciplines that we think of, you know, what does it mean to be a good Christian is how an old school way that, that we would say it tongue in cheek. Studying, studying scripture, worship, engaging ourselves with the greatness, the beauty, the goodness of God through rituals, worship, yes. Yes. words, symbols, celebration kind of completes the worship because we enjoy ourselves. We enjoy our lives. We enjoy our world. Yeah. Maybe gratitude practice there, right? Yeah, very much. And serving. And, you know, interesting, we're supplying furnishings for a couple of rooms for some homeless, new homeless housing. And specifically, some of the apartments will be for veterans. And everybody talks about wanting to help the homeless. Well, here's what you can do. And if, if that is something that you're passionate about, check with the local church. Chances are that they're serving the homeless in some mm-hmm. way. That's right. Rather than just, you know, saying something about it on social media, do something. Yeah. Yeah. You can, or, or, or just um, don't do anything and just complain about how um, bad right. um, people right. are. Or click like when somebody else is doing it. That'll really <laughs> get <laughs> us. Yeah. <laughs> Study, worship, celebration, service, prayer, it's talking with God about what we're thinking and what we're doing together, you know, that God is with us. Another one is fellowship. That's probably one of my favorites as I grew up doing youth group and youth ministry mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's doing it with other people, you know? So, and these are all the disciplines of engagement. Another one's confession, which is trusting somebody else with our deepest weaknesses and our deepest failures. Yeah. And let's say something about that because like, look, there are two, ways of looking at this basically i think is like there's one where it's like oh you're just self-flagellation you're just you know you're punishing yourself and you know um and then the other thing is people don't know what a relief that is to confess something to someone else like those secrets are uh shame love secrets you know and then also pride too because i'm going to show you a weakness or fear that you're going to judge me but man when you just like put it out there and because you're telling the truth you know you're telling the truth of your fallibility of your weaknesses and it's actually a relief i find Mm -hmm. i'd like to clarify something that you say when you say put it out there most of us think that means type it up yeah don't do that (laughs) i wouldn't do that yeah yeah Yeah. um but you know put it out there with another human being that you trust Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm. someone that you trust yeah oh yeah yeah, God gives us one another, and that can't be replaced by anything else. It's, it's that big of a gift. So study, worship, celebration, service, prayer, fellowship, confession. Here's a, an interesting one. It's not a very popular word. Submission. Mm-hmm. Submission is doing what others think is best. It's humbly setting aside our own ideas as the ultimate and our own will as supreme. And it's totally eliminating self-promotion. I'm not making it all about me. It's the highest level of fellowship, you know, and, and if a way you think Christ submitted himself onto the cross to these people, but in that he freed us from our sin. He freed us. He gave us away in his total submission. And I'll tell you, that's a pride buster there. That was, that's a hard one for me. I didn't like to be told what to do. I didn't like, so that, that, that's one focus that I, I would have or how to respond to an insult or a slight, mm-hmm. you know, my, mine oh, was always that my pride said, give it back to them. Double know, down. Know, just, you're right. You know, and it bothered me, you know? Um, right. Right. A couple of things like that. And that's just 
that's pride. We, I, I got to work through some of that with you. That was real. you did, and you know what? It's gone now, but it took a long time. And mm-hmm. and it was always, and it wasn't even the people. It was that it happened, and I was proud. I had to get past pride on that stuff because I mean, come on, you know who am I? You know you can, you know, like what I say. You don't have to like what I say. Why it's not? Why is that so offensive to me? You know what I mean? And I know why. It's from my childhood. You know, when you get a whole bunch of that, a lot, you learn to fear it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of the fellowship. That's part of the confession. It's part of submitting to one another when somebody says, why don't you try this? Yeah. Or why don't you let go of that? You know what I mean? And there's a lot to work through for every single one of us, wherever we're coming from. Yeah. But I tell you, a lot of this stuff just comes down to humility, thinking less of ourselves. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Not puffing ourselves up so much. Thinking of ourselves yeah. less. Yes. Right. And think of others more because that attention has to go somewhere. So, you know, compassion. If somebody um, reacts strongly to something, maybe they misunderstand or maybe they just don't like what I say, then it's better to think about them and how they got there and wish them well for it rather than uh, have my attention go on myself pridefully and want to defend it and dominate them. Oh, you think you're going to dominate me? I'll show you. Yeah, I'll show you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because. Jesus says, I, I want you to be in love. I want you to be in peace. I want you to be in me. I want you to be in my hope. And there was a C.S. Lewis story in one of his books where this husband was petty and the woman was now, it, it takes place in heaven and the husband's visiting heaven from hell. And he used self-pity throughout their lives and he wouldn't let go of that pity. And, and that's what he clung on to and chose not to be in heaven. He wanted to be that miserable. It, it happens that his wife, who's this amazingly beautiful, humble woman, used to be able to be manipulated by that self-pity. But what she says to him is, Frank, I am in love. And out of love, I will not go. I am not going to pity you anymore. You can't use that as a weapon against me. Yeah, interesting. What, what book was that? Because I know someone who's really struggling with that. With wow, it's self-pity. in the Great Divorce. In the Great Divorce, okay. and it's, it's... which is the Great Divorce between Heaven and Hell. Yeah, is what they're talking about, and and how much we we can use pity to manipulate people. Yeah, and I don't think pity pity is different than compassion because pity means that we do kind of look down on somebody. Mm-hmm. No, compassion is um, not only am I empathetic because I know that I've done something like that. I can, I've had that experience and I know it's painful, but, and I, and I really wish that you could get past it because it's not helping you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we, we've got these so many spiritual disciplines. We could do a session on every single one of them, but mm-hmm. the two big categories are, are spiritual disciplines of abstinence where we abstain, we remove ourselves, solitude, silence, fasting, frugality, chastity, secrecy, sacrifice. And then we've got these spiritual disciplines of engagement, engaging in study, engaging in worship and celebration, engaging in acts of service and prayer, engaging in fellowship with each other, with confession, with even submission in that. And and when you take these two lists, they really support each other. They counterbalance each other. One, it's like breathing out or breathing in. Which set of disciplines are more important? Well, it's like breathing out or breathing in. It depends which one you did last. Yeah, right on. You know, which one's most important. Now you can participate in Lent because Christianity, you want to, it's not some, it's not a, a, a 
name tag or a club that you join. It's something you participate in always. Oh yeah. And it's like riding a bike. If you're not going anywhere, you're going to fall over. Mm -hmm. But the minute that you start taking these steps, the minute you start engaging that it's the forward momentum keeps you upright and keeps you from falling over. I think that's one of the beauties of the, the disciplines, which is where the tied in with the word disciple and they're gifts of God. And they're not to earn anything. They're not to try harder. They're to train. They're to walk in this new way. That sounds like uh, it's going to be a good lot for you. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm just looking for forward to being able to breathe, being able to focus on better things to, in order to live out who God's already made me to be. Well, with that, can I pray for us? Yeah, please. God, thank you so much for Marty. Thank you so much for the shepherd and the strength enabling us to have these conversations. Thank you so much that you have given us ways to live, ways to be, ways not to try, but ways to train up in. I ask that you would enable us, Lord, to do just that, to live out our faith in you. And for those people who are curious, pray that you would gently walk with them, work with them, and help us, Lord, as we go through relationships, help us as we deal with our own struggles to know we can't do it on our own. And that's why these are spiritual disciplines, because we're opening ourselves up to you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.